All right, today's text is going to come from a book in the Old Testament. It's 2 Kings. Uh, so you've got to go maybe about six or seven, maybe eight books into the Old Testament. It's page 312 if you want to follow along in, in the Bible. Um, 2 Kings chapter 6, and this is a uh, story that, has to, that deals with Elisha. And uh, we're going to look at verses 8 uh, all the way to 23. So once when the king of Syria was warring against Israel, he took counsel with his servant, saying, At such and such a place shall be my camp. But the man of God sent word to the king of Israel, Beware that you do not pass this place, for the Syrians are going down there. And the king of Israel sent, uh, sent to the place about which the man of God told him. Thus he used to warn him, so that he saved himself there more than once or twice. And the mind of the king of Syria was greatly troubled because of this thing, and he called his servants and said to them, Will you not show me who of us is for the king of Israel? And one of the servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. And he said, Go and see where he is, that I may see, send and seize him. And it was told him, Behold, he is in Dothan. So he sent their horses and chariots and a great army, and they came by night and surrounded the city. When the servant of the man of God rose early in the morning and went out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. And the servant said, Alas, my master, what shall we do? He said, Do not be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all, all around Elisha. And when the Syrians came down against him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, Please strike the people with blindness. So he struck them with blindness in accordance with the prayer of Elisha. And Elisha said to them, This is not the way, and this is not the city. Follow me, and I will bring you to the man whom you seek. And he led them to Samaria. As soon as they entered Samaria, Elisha said, O Lord, open the eyes of these men that they may see. So the Lord opened their eyes, and they saw, and behold, there were in the midst of Samaria. And as soon as the king of Israel saw them, he said to Elisha, My father, shall I strike them down? Shall I strike them down? And he answered, You shall not strike them down. Would you strike down those whom you have taken captive by the sword and with your bow? Set bread and water before them, that they may eat and drink and go to their master. So he prepared for them a great feast. And when they had eaten and drunk, he sent them away, and they went to their master. And the Syrians did not come, come again on raids into the land of Israel. Let, let's pray. Lord, as we look at this passage and also in a spirit of worship, what we pray, Lord, is that you would guide us and direct us and that you would do it in such a way that we would be formed by the scripture lesson, uh, that the, the lesson would be leveraged by your spirit so that it creates the nature of Christ inside of us. Oh, God, that's what we pray every time we worship, and that's what we hope every time that we gather together. So watch over us, we pray. Be with us at this time, and we pray this in your name. Amen. So, I want to ask you a question. What does a prophet, lizard brain, and holy tissue have in common? Judging by your face, Jamie, you got the answer, right? So, uh, a prophet, lizard brain, holy tissue have in common. 2 Kings chapter 6. So just stay with me for a little bit. So at this time in the Old Testament history, Old Testament history, you have Israel, which consists of the ten tribes to the north. 
By this time, the tribes have divided. You've got ten tribes in the north. You've got two tribes in the south. The ten in the north are always referred to as Israel. The two in the south, they're called Judah. And the ten in the north are in these border disputes with the Syrians or, or the Arameans. And they're the northeastern part. If you're looking at Israel, they're to the northeast. Uh, this is before the Assyrians. Now, if we had a larger map, you would see that the Assyrians are, 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 are farther off to the east. Eventually, the Assyrians will capture the Syrians, and from there, they will also ca capture the ten tribes in the north. But that's, that's probably about maybe 50, 70, 100 years from, from now. So, and at this time, when Israel is, are in these border disputes with uh, the Syrians, the major prophet is a guy by the name of Elisha. Now, Elijah was his mentor. Now it's Elisha is the major prophet. And like all the other prophets, Elisha was the main counselor to the king. He counseled the king on spiritual matters, but at the same time, he would counsel the king on military matters, especially the king would inquire of the prophet that whenever they would go to battle, would they be successful? And, and what Elisha had that was helpful to the king is he had a network of ground intelligence. And the idea is that if, if a foreigner, if there was a group of people that, that entered into to the, the land, that, that through Elisha, he would be able to figure out where they are, and he would give notice to the king so that the king would stay clear of that. And so that the king would only fight when the king wanted to fight. He wouldn't get caught in the trap. Well, eventually that news made its way to the king of Syria. He wanted to know every time he was ready to lay a trap for the king of Israel, how the, the Israelites were able to, to either side... Uh, sidestep that or to, or to move in another direction and, and so he, he became at first he thought that there were spies inside of his own people and after inquiring about them and realized that they were all loyal to him one of his one of his servants said the real issue is Elisha Elisha is able to determine where you go he's got this whole ground network of things going on and so wherever you try to go he's always going to be one step ahead of you and if he's one step ahead of you then the king of Israel is going to be one step ahead of you so naturally the king of Syria decided and targeted Elisha with the idea that if I rid myself of this guy, then this whole ground intelligence network's going to fall by the wayside and I'll be able to move freely inside of the land and then hopefully be able to defeat the king of Israel. So he sent troops, a bunch of troops, chariots, horses to Elisha's hometown, the town of Dothan. And he surrounded the city, and he's, he's in prime position to attack, and he's getting ready to attack the next day. Well, Elisha has a servant, and his servant wake, woke up early in the morning and, and is going about his duties. And, and about the time he enters the gate to the city, he looks out, and he sees all the Syrians there. And they're, they're in, in prime place to attack. They're ready to, to, to pounce on not just the, the, the town, but on Elisha, and then ultimately also him. So you, can, you know what, the, what he did. He is, becomes very anxious, and he, he reacted instinctually. That part of his brain that's called the lizard brain, the part of the brain that just functions off instinct, it's guttural, it's that part of the brain that deals with fight or flight or freeze, that part of the brain for the servant is in overdrive. And we call that the lizard brain. It's overfunctioning. It's how we deal with any types of threats. 
And that's a good thing. I mean, so what's wired into human nature is that when threatened, that part of our brain uh, overfunctions, and that part of our brain is, creates, you know, it's this threat. Do we, do we run? Do we fight? Do we just stay still? That's the servant. Now, the negative to that part of our brain is whenever we're faced with that level of anxiety or that level of crisis, that's all we can see is the crisis that's in front of us. And so the servant, in his anxiety, he, he knows that the, the soldiers are there and they're angry. They're not there to dance. They're there to cause massive harm. And it's going to eventually be death to the prophet, death to the city Dothan, and death to him. And so in this crisis, this elevated anxiety, that protective mechanism part of his brain is kicked in. It's an overdrive. It's overfunctioning. And the negative, or at least a potential negative when that happens is we lose the ability to see the peripheral. And often when our anxiety is at that, that state, fear is the dominant influence. And so the servant can't see anything other than the crisis. And so what's also a part of human beings is that whenever we're faced with that level of anxiety, what we want to do more than anything else is we want to pass it off to somebody else. Very healthy people, when they're faced with anxiety, they'll process their own anxiety. But you have to be in a healthy state to do that. Most people, when we're faced like that, is we want to give it to somebody else. We want somebody else to take care of it. We want someone else to deal with it. And so you know the text the servant looks to Elisha, and you can, you can read the panic in his voice. What are we going to do? There are people all around us. There are soldiers, there are horses, there are chariots. So he's reacting. Now, Elisha, faced with the very same issue, the very same crisis, doesn't react, but he responds. What did he say to the servant? Don't what? Don't fear. There are more of us than there are of them. That is a great, great verse. Do not fear. There are more of us than there are of them. One of the things that I, I wish I could do is uh, I would love to be able to go back into the Bible and actually be a fly on the wall. To see, I mean, you know, you have the text, so you know the conversation, you know what's going on between the two people. But I, I would like to see that uh, in, in, a, in, a, in a full way. Maybe to see their faces, to see how they're reacting. Because, I mean, can you imagine what the servant looked like when he, you know, he looked out, he sees all the trouble, he, he's, he's reacting to that, and he goes to Elisha and he says, you got to do something, what are we going to do? And, and Elisha, his response is, well, don't fear, there's more of us than there are them. I mean, that's probably the look of like, I think my guy has had a stroke. Or he fell in the middle of the night, something's going on. So Elisha did something that is always a good thing to do. He prayed. It is never wasted energy or time when faced with anxiety to pray. 
I think sometimes we downplay just the, the importance of, uh, and the value of what prayer can do for us, what prayer can do for another situation. And so he prayed. What did he pray? Lord, open his eyes. Show him what I already know. Help him to see not just here, but to see the peripheral. Actually, what Elisha is doing, he's engaging a different part of his brain, the precordial vortex. That's the part that uh, a number of people call holy tissue. Because it's the ability to move past something into something greater. Peter Singe, who's a... uh, He's a, he works with organizations, churches, businesses, and he, and he deals with how to lead in times of anxiety. And he said in brain mapping, he said there's that part of the brain that's like the lizard brain, that, that it, it, and it's a good thing. It, 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 and when faced with crisis, it kicks in in the overdrive, and the blood flows there. But the, but the negative is that you, only, you can't see here. You can only see right here. He said there's a different part of the brain. It's on the other side of the brain, that, that precordial vortex, that when people who can, can be non-anxious, non-anxious doesn't mean they don't feel. They do feel. They just engage a different part of their brain that slows it down. And Peter Singe said often, we call that the holy tissue. So instead of reacting, you slow down and you can respond. I want you to see the value of this. Because up until now, I've just described in the text to the time just when Elisha prayed. But look what happened after he prayed and the servant can see what the prophet sees. Look at what the prophet did. See, he's freed up to act differently. What he could have done is he could have killed all of the Syrians. Right? He prayed for his servant to see, the servant sees, and then he he prayed for the the Syrians to be blinded. They're blinded, which means they are defenseless. He could have been a national hero. I mean, what would it be like if you're Elisha and you're already already fairly famous because you're the prophet, but not just the prophet. Now you can get a whole different level of fame because you're able to rid yourself of one of the enemies. The Syrians are defenseless. He, he could have killed them. I mean, they're an enemy at war. I mean, after all, when, when we engage that part of our brain that is instinctual, it's always us and them, and you can't trust them because they're not part of us. Elisha could have reacted that way. He didn't do it. So he didn't kill them. Well, you know, he leaves them eventually in front of his king, the king of Israel, and the king could have killed him. I mean, in the text, the king asked twice, you want me to do it? Did you hear me? You want me to do it? Two times he asked him. Now, one time could be maybe Elisha didn't hear it. The second time it could be that the king didn't like Elisha's answer. So he asked him again. Both times, Elisha said, kill him, right? Now, you heard the text. 
what did he do? He fed them. Why on the earth would you do that? This is the enemy, right? I mean, didn't Elisha know that we're at war? These, I mean, they're not coming to dance. They're coming to fight. And there are no rules here. It's, it's uh, you fight until the other person dies. See what Elisha did? He chose a different response, one that was fueled by grace. Can't do that if you don't slow it down and engage that different part of our brain. See, eating in the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament, eating is a sign of friendship. Being together. In the Old Testament and New Testament, you don't eat with your enemies. You don't eat with the people that you're angry with. You eat with the people who are now friends. He fed them, gave them something to drink. This is covenant image. Because you know what they're doing while they're eating? They're taking a vow to be at peace with each other and to stop the warring and the fighting. Romans 12, 20 and 21 says, But if your enemy is hungry, you feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For in doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That's Elisha. See, when we choose to respond, we give time for something else. We allow, sometimes it's thought, sometimes it's reflection, sometimes it's revelation, like it's in the passage. Lord, open his eyes so that he can see what I already know. When that happens, you can stay connected with the people around you and even be gracious, even if you think you can't. Now, I want you to think about this passage, and I want you to think about all the relationships that you have. If you're married, dating someone, your families, work, whatever it may be, in every relationship, there is going to be anxiety at some point. You're not, you, you don't get a free pass. Part of being in a relationship is that you, you covenant to be with each other, you choose to be with each other, and at different times and at different places, there's going to be crisis, there's going to be difficulty, there's going to be struggle, and there's going to be anxiety. So what do you do? You want a quick fix? I do. You want to blame? I do. You create a win-lose, right and wrong. I mean, that's how we argue, right? It's how we fight. We keep score. I mean, y'all don't keep score? In the green household, you know, sometimes we keep score. Who's doing it right? Who's doing it wrong? Which means we're quick to assume, we're quick to draw conclusions, and seldom 
Are we gracious? We engage that part of the brain that is instinctual, that's quick, impulsive. There's a whole different part. Holy tissue. I love that. Holy tissue. Maybe to think the same way that God thinks. To engage people, to be connected to people, but not to retaliate, but to be gracious. To eat. To be in covenant. To be together. Throughout Lent, I've prayed the same prayer. This is, I know for Lent, some people take on things. Some people give up things. I've, uh, the last couple of years, I've, I've, I will write a prayer, and that'll be the prayer that I pray throughout all of Lent. And this is the prayer I've been praying. Real simple. Lord, give me a calm heart, a clear mind, a resolved spirit, and a graceful eye. That's it. That's Elisha. A calm heart, a clear mind, a resolved spirit, and a graceful eye. In your relationships, you will have anxiety. It doesn't mean you don't love each other. Sometimes you have anxiety because you do love each other. What are you going to do? You're going to run? You're going to fight, argue, blame? Or will you choose to respond? Lord, show him what I already know that they're more that are with us than there are them which means I can slow down God is with me God is with us and so instead of instead of killing I can eat and be at peace. A calm heart, a clear mind, a resolved spirit, and a graceful eye. Oh God, that's our prayer today. To, to, to be, not just be this way, to live this way. And to, uh, to react and to, to respond in a way that is mindful of Elisha. You know, sometimes, God, we read in the, in the Bible and we think, but, you know, the fact that they have a label like prophet or they have a label like disciple or apostle, or that, that, that they're sort of in a different league than we are. And that is not the case. Just as you were with Elisha, be with us. Be with us in our relationships, in our families, in our friendships, at work, everywhere we go. Help us to see not just what's right in front of us, 
but to also see a wider view. How you're working, how you're engaging, and help us to follow, to follow you, oh God. Oh Lord, we want to be your servants, we want to follow. And so we pray for a calm heart, a clear mind, a resolved spirit, and a graceful eye. Oh God, this is our prayer as we worship you. In Christ's name, amen.